It's Philosophy Talk. We've got a great name, we've got a great team, we've got a great logo, and we've got a great name. Now we just need an idea. Let's pivot. Let's pivot. When techies talk about making the world a better place, what does better mean? And for whom? When techies quote philosophy, do they get it right? It's about how these industries present themselves to a broader public. Can democracy survive the rhetoric of Silicon Valley? Disruption always seems to miraculously not affect those in power. Our guest is Adrian Daub from Stanford University, author of What Tech Calls Thinking. These companies have, in some ways, transformed our value systems and have sort of created this way of thinking that makes what they do seem a lot more innocuous and a lot more self-evident than it really is. The Rhetoric of Big Tech, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Are tech companies really making the world a better place? Does it take a genius to found a startup? How can Silicon Valley believe its own hype? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you from our respective living rooms via the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about the rhetoric of big tech. You know, Silicon Valley may be full of so-called techies, but they sure have a lot of storytellers in their ranks. I'm sensing some disdain for the tech industry there. I would have thought a literature guy like you would appreciate storytelling. Oh, I love fictions, Ray, but you know, fictions are stories everyone knows aren't true. Whereas when big tech companies talk about making the world a better place, doing no evil, caring about social issues, that's not fiction, that's just lies. No, oh, but isn't, isn't some of it true? I mean, we have whole libraries at our fingertips, and we get to teach online while we shelter in place, and hey, we can talk to like-minded people from all over the world. Oh, great, so you can find a global community of people who share your addiction to uh, funny cat videos or whatever? Big whoop. Hey, what have you got against cat videos? I mean, that one where the kitten plays the piano, it's really cute. Anyway, I, I don't think you can dismiss internet communities as frivolous. I mean, what about people from marginalized groups who live alone and isolated? Thanks to platforms like Twitter, they can find each other, connect, and organize politically. Yeah, and with the same technology, like-minded extremists can find each other to share their toxic ideologies and, and organize violent riots. Oh, you can't blame the internet companies for violent extremists. When terrorists send letters to each other, do you blame the post office? I don't know. Is the post office also sowing political division, selling outrage, and spreading misinformation while raking in the big bucks? Oh, they're definitely not raking in the big bucks. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Don't you think it's really politicians who are to blame for our political division? Well, as far as I'm concerned, there's plenty of blame to go around, Ray. I mean, yeah, politicians, sure, but tech companies actively encourage trolling and bullying, or, or as they call it, engagement. And then they turn around and say it's not their responsibility when people do those exact things. Whoa, I, I think you need to zoom out a bit and not get so caught up in what's happening right now in politics. I mean, why, why not think about... Uh, the way software has transformed medical record keeping or, or library access. If you can get past the paywall. 
Oh, come on. If it wasn't for the latest technology, philosophy talk wouldn't be on the air during the pandemic. <laughs> oh, touche. Okay. Fair enough. I'm, look, I'm not saying everything that comes out of the tech industry is bad. I, I just don't like the way they talk. It's all dropping out and disrupting. Whatever happened to staying in school and preserving stuff that's good? Well, what's wrong with disrupting the status quo? Well, the status quo includes drivers and food delivery people who now can't get employee benefits or earn a decent wage. Yeah, okay, I see how tech has some bad consequences. But aren't techies just regular people just trying to get by in an economy that's hard for everybody? That's not how they describe themselves, Ray. There's this whole mythology they've built up. All those archetypes they appeal to, like, like the genius iconoclast with a bold vision for the future. The plucky little startup taking on an industry goliath. Ah, there you go again, complaining about narratives. Admit it. That's what's really bothering you. Well, yeah, I mean, these aren't fun fictions. They're dangerous deceptions. And all that mythologizing, it allows them to dodge responsibility for the problems they've helped to bring about. Well, that's just what our guest thinks. It's Adrian Daub from Stanford. We'll be talking to him in just a bit. His new book, What Tech Calls Thinking, looks at the way Silicon Valley hides rapacious behavior with a veneer of shiny rhetoric. Like, for example, Uber and Lyft. In 2020, they bankrolled an initiative in California, allowing companies to treat workers as independent contractors, giving them fewer benefits. But they phrased it as, get this, a civil rights issue. And they won. So we send our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed, to find out more. She files this report. Sam Harnett is a tech and labor reporter at KQED in San Francisco. Although he sort of takes exception with the phrase tech reporter. If you're covering the extractive capitalism happening at a major corporation that's just using the internet to make money and profit. Many of the people who consider themselves tech journalists aren't really reporting on technology. Like, what technology does Uber have? It has an app. I mean, even Google. I mean, Google's search uh, algorithms, okay, you can construe that as technology, but really, they're gathering data and running an advertising business. Um, so I think it's a stretch to call these journalists tech journalists when really what they are reporting on are corporations that are using the internet to make money. Harnett is also the author of a paper entitled Words Matter, How Tech Media Helped Write Gig Companies Into Existence. He's covered companies like Lyft for seven years, almost since it was founded. Lyft gave drivers fuzzy pink mustaches and marketed itself as a tech company that put the power of sharing rides directly into people's hands. Drivers with spare seats should be able to share them, make extra money, get paid on their own terms. And we'll give out giant pink mustaches for the front of every car. Whoa, cowboy. Food and grocery delivery companies like Instacart, DoorDash, and Postmates also emerged into the gig economy. Hernet remembers watching with alarm as words like pivot, rideshare, and collaborative consumption began to appear in news stories. Sometimes the, these terms and rhetoric come out of the companies, and a lot of the times it came out of bad journalism. You know, like the term sharing economy, for example. Uber and Lyft weren't running advertisements with, you know, we are the sharing economy. But they didn't need to. Reporters and pundits began describing this for them. Companies like Uber and Airbnb and Lyft ran with it. They're like, all right, that's great. You want to call us sharing? We can accept that. These corporations had a kind of futuristic, utopian glow about them. And Harnett says journalists are always looking to write about something new. 
framing these companies as new and innovative platforms helped convince lawmakers that they were different from other corporations. Therefore, we should not be held by the laws that regulate employees because those are old laws if we're new companies. They can argue that they deserve an entirely new regulatory scheme, which is exactly what they got in Proposition 22. In November 2020, California voters decided to pass Proposition 22. It exempts a handful of gig companies from following a state labor law so they can continue classifying their workers as independent contractors. Gig companies pumped over $181 million into this ballot measure. In their advertising, they build this effort as a social justice issue. Lift up your eyes upon this day breaking for you. Give birth again to the dream. In one ad for the measure, you can hear Maya Angelou reading on the pulse of the morning. Good morning. Good morning. Buenos dias. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Then these words appear on the screen. Every day is a new chance to lift each other up. Lift Up provides free rides to communities who lack access to jobs, food, and basic services. Prop 22 supporters argue workers want to be independent, and being an employee would take away that freedom. Protecting their flexibility and providing historic new benefits are what we're fighting for. Vote yes on Prop 22 to help create a better path forward for drivers. And the measure passed. Lyft CEO celebrated, saying Prop 22 would be a model for other states. Uber and Lyft drivers and labor unions have sued to overturn it. And President Joe Biden has said he'll move to classify these workers as employees. As for reporter Sam Harnett, he still struggles to stop himself from using terms and rhetoric that paint gay companies in a favorable light. I'm still getting to the point where be like, wait, why am I calling this company a startup? Like, what does it even mean to call it a startup? Uh, these terms are often uh, loaded against workers, uh, and the rhetoric benefits those in power. In response to the lawsuit, companies like Uber and Lyft say voters across the political spectrum spoke loud and clear. But when the rhetoric of big tech is so loud, it's hard to tell who's doing the talking. It's like you need both halves of the brain, right? The Jobs and the Wozniak, the yin and the yang. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.